Hey, it's Jose Galison on No Way Jose. Uh, this is on the you can find this on the No Way Jose YouTube channel. Uh, I'm also on just about everywhere uh, podcasts are at, all, every podcatcher. Um, also on the Liberty Movement YouTube channel and BitShoot as well. This episode will not be going up in there because the Liberty Movement is strictly for my uh, political, uh, cultural type or non-political cultural stuff. This one does not fit under that bill. I know if you guys are watching this, you saw the little intro I had that does say. Uh, for non-political stuff, but you know, I've expanded my brand since then and Daniel Elwood did me a solids and I really like that intro. So whatever, just ignore that little bit. Uh, today, my guest is Patrick McFarlane. We're going to be following up on something we did before. We did a 2020 review and being as we hit it off really good and had good rapport and um, kind of just went way longer than we thought, this has become a two-parter, which is ironic now because it's 2021, but hey, you know, that might add to the conversation. Um, so before I get into it, I have a request for some of you like tech folks, uh, go check out andthefed.app. Let me know what y'all think of it. This is something I might be getting into here soon. Maybe start promoting them. Uh, let me know what you think. Um, with that, I'm going to go ahead and bring on Patrick and we're going to fucking get into it and have fun. What's up, dude? Hey, how's it going? <laughs> hey. Um, so thanks for coming on again. Uh, we had a blast last time. So, uh, so let's uh, get back into it. We kept we left off on riots. Oh, you know what? Fuck, I'm being super unprofessional. You go ahead and give your intro to the people so they know who you're at. And we'll, we'll we'll do this all professional like, and you can let them know who you are. Oh yeah, where you're at and shit. <laughs> I'm selling it, selling myself really highly here. Well, uh, Patrick <laughs> McFarland here um, of the Liberty Weekly Podcast. I'm a practicing personal injury attorney. I've been podcasting since my second year in law school, and I cover libertarian legal theory. I cover a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, so check it out, libertyweekly.net. And I'm I'm really glad to be joining you to finish off this 2020 in review. <laughs> yeah, no, it's funny. It, it's funny. It was, a, it was quite a clusterfuck trying to reschedule. And you had stuff going on in your life. I had pretty crazy past few weeks. Uh, so just end up inevitably ending up in midway through, well, damn near almost over halfway through January. And yeah. Here we are. But hey, you know what? I, f- I feel like that might add something to it, especially some of the craziness that's going on. And that's kind of what I want to touch back on the one of the things we ended on before we were we went with riots so i kind of want to touch back on that because i think there's a lot to be said about the whole riots thing because now there's this added component of what came into 2021 with the january january 6th stuff with the uh capitol building and uh, i don't know if you have any thoughts and i'll let you go i probably said a lot here lately on my channel i'm sure you have some choice words as well <laughs> yeah I, I don't know if i've actually talked about it yet and i think in some ways it's kind of funny that we're we're recording today because today is the 19th the last full day of donald trump's presidency and i'm sure that this episode is going to be out of date by this time tomorrow uh if anything kicks off which i you know i, I tend to think that when i f- i try not to form an opinion about the capitol hill situation um I, I usually try not to have a knee-jerk reaction because that's what I usually do. Um, you know, when I was less politically mature, I suppose. Not to say I am now, but um, I don't know. My first reaction was that it seemed very strange. Um, I'm one who's always on the lookout for some kind of a false flag situation. And it seemed like it was a situation where things were let to happen that security was much too lax in the situation. And I don't even think that that is a controversial view because even my mainstream, like liberal friends, um, they, they thought that it was let to happen too. It seems like that's kind of the consensus. So is that kind of what you think, Jose? Do you think something was fishy about it? You know? 
that's kind of where I, I actually was the same way. I very it's funny because like whenever all this stuff popped off, all my like normie friends they immediately were like, "Hey, what do you think of this?" Because they all want to know my opinion. And I was just like, I, "I don't know." And I'm still kind of an I don't know. I mean, I have like formed a little bit more opinions in time, but for the most part, yeah, I don't really have a strong opinion on it. Like, I mean, the biggest thing I got of was just the irony of the like you know everyone freaking out, you know, the cathedral throwing a fit, and it's like you know after months of BLM riots. But yeah, no, I, when it comes to like the false flag stuff, I'm very much like, I don't at all doubt that, that there could be some conspiracy or some sort of something like that. But I generally am the kind that I don't, until I have some sort of decent evidence, I generally just don't go there. Cause it's like, you kind of just come off with like a, a loon if you go there without having something. Like yeah. I know there was that thing where like they, the video of like the police like opening up and it's like, I don't know. I mean, you could easily chalk it up to a lot of stuff. So it's like, I, I yeah, I, don't, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me in the least, in the slightest, in the absolute slightest, because this was, you know, if the the cathedral, if you will, wanted to win, uh, this this is it, you know, like, like <laughs> this is the best way to besmirch him. Like, you see what's come of it, and it's like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, I think that was the best take that I had, and I I can't even say it was an original take because I think I heard Dave Smith say it, and then I was like, oh yeah, this is what I think. <laughs> yeah none of us have original you, thoughts around right here. <laughs> you know I was like oh yeah well i mean i i couldn't think of a, a a better thing to have happened for the liberal establishment um not just the liberal establishment but the the swamp you know the the elite the political elite i all of a sudden i mean there seemed like there were some senators and congressmen who were going to object to the electoral vote count and then everyone who was anyone dropped it immediately afterwards and you know, I, I, I think one big takeaway from this is that the mainstream political consensus, they don't operate on principles because if, if you know, on, on one moment over the summer, you can be condemning the riots and then you're for riots and against police when it's your people who are storming the Capitol or vice versa, when you are for riots all summer long and then a much milder situation happens in a sacred holy temple, um, then all of a sudden everything flip-flops. So these people aren't grounded in any kind of actual uh, principle. Yeah, no, def that's definitely the case. There's not really any principle to be had here. And that's, I mean, there was so much on both sides, really, between the, like I brought up the fact that it's just ironic that, you know, they, everyone just like clutches their pearls about the, uh, about this, but it's like there were months of BLM riots and it's like, and then the other side you had literally, you know, people, there were literally people with like flags, blue line flags attacking police. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like I, I don't know. It's just for me, I guess, like, I guess I have just gotten to the point where I just sit back and enjoy the chaos. It's just kind of just fun <laughs> in a sense. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, this is a perfect example of such. And it's, I, I don't really, there's not a whole lot to be had there. I mean, like I said, I haven't got like a deep thought on it. I mean, I did, I did, I've had a couple conversations where it kind of went into like, political violence and like if it's merited and like i mean my position i don't know if you have uh i mean some people might think i'm being a grifter here but i am of the opinion morally speaking for the most part political violence is almost always um morally permissible it's just a matter of is it tactically smart and almost never is it tactically smart it's all like for me it's like 99 plus percent of the time it's morally permissible for political violence depending on i guess i mean there's within reason like you know if you're attacking the establishment but almost the same percentage of the time it's retarded <laughs> like, right it's not gonna work out in your favor and so you're just shooting yourself in the foot and that's 
And yeah, because I, I just thought it was funny how many people were clutching pearls with all this. And it's like, oh my, look at them. It's like, yeah, at least in a sense, they're attacking the problem. But it's like, I don't necessarily, I don't think this is smart in any way. I mean, at least not for them. For me, I mean, looking at it from the bigger picture, I think it may actually work out for like people like me and you in the long run. But like, for like, if I was a conservative, this would be the last thing I'd want to do. <laughs> you know, it's pretty goddamn dumb. <laughs> I, I didn't know how people were pearl clutching because in a way it's this nation was founded on the idea that if a government is unjust the people have a right to overthrow it and install a new one hmm, think about that a little bit um but you know theoretically they have a chance to overthrow it and install a new one what do you think that looks like i mean <laughs> we we're we live in such a privileged time that we are so used to our creature comforts myself included that we don't know what it would actually be like to roll up your sleeves or to give your life for something greater than yourself or your children, a better, a better situation for your children. Um, but I, I don't know. I think that what you should have done one or two things tactically, is it smart? No, to do this. If you're going to do it though, you either do it or you, you, you either come strapped in a way and really overtake the capital and start holding like hearings, or, you know, um, commissions or or firing senators or doing something or you go in and do a peaceful protest and sit in and show the world that we're dignified civilized people and we're not gonna you know have some kind of 1953 coup or iran you know iranian coup or anything we're just gonna come in here do the rosa parks thing and look really good on national television or you know keep our hands as clean as we can but not that i endorse going in and you know, shooting up the Capitol or anything like that. But it seems like if you're going to be a radical revolutionary and storm the Capitol, either do it, you know, one of those two ways. Yeah. You got to commit. It was like no yeah. commitment. And don't get me wrong. Me being like a kind of like a shit poster kind of guy. Like for me, I thought it was hilarious. Like, Oh yeah. Know, the guy, I yeah. mean, it's, it's awesome. It's just great content. But for yeah. like a, from a, you know, your normie looking in or like, you know, your generic like beltway person, it's like, Oh my. And it's like, you didn't really accomplish anything. I mean, for me, I fucking love it. This is great entertainment. Like there's so many memes came out of this. You do dude, dude let, like got his feet propped up on Pelosi's desk. Like, I mean, if anything, I kind of like wish they went a little bit further in the like yeah. troublemaking type thing. Right. I mean, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It was, it was definitely great a content, but I, I don't really know what to make of it aside from that. But yeah, yeah. it was just like, if they had committed, like, yeah, if, like if they'd done a sit in or if they had, you know, good and gone full on, like, you know, you know, but like, then, well, like they're thinking it's going to happen at the inauguration tomorrow. Yeah. I yeah. Do. That is, that is really weird. I just don't know. Yeah. I don't know what to make of that. Yeah. I, I, this is another situation which I'm like, don't really have any opinions on yet. Cause it is like, part of me is like, are they just like staging a like thing here? Or are they just like staging a perfect scenario with if, eh, where if anything does happen, they can immediately be like, Oh, see, 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 and they can make this whole big thing. But I mean, me being like, I, I mean, I feel like I kind of have my ear to the ground to these, you know, conservative or libertarian boogaloo types. And it's like, I don't really feel like there's anyone who's out there who's like, yeah, let's go fucking storm. Let's go fucking, you know, stop the inauguration. It's like, I, I haven't seen that anywhere. And it's just, if anything, the, I feel like most people caved after the Capitol thing. That's yeah. like the energy I've gotten, you know? So it's like, I just don't get it. See, you know? that's why it was a master stroke by the establishment in 4D chess. You know, I, I think 
4D chess is a it's a term that's overused, but um, I really do think these people. Not not that there's one monolithic organization that's pulling the strings behind the scenes, but um, I really do think that they're smarter than we give them credit for. Mm-hmm. But that that's take yeah right that's taking for granted that there is someone orchestrating things and that our brains want to think that way because that would make a very complex and ununderstandable world understandable for our brains. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I think um, it was just really what I thought is that wouldn't it just be the perfect setup if we're transitioning into the new domestic war on terror. I, I think that after nine 11, it was the international war on terror. Now the, the panopticon is turned inward. The, the evil eye of Sauron is turned inward and it would be a perfect kickoff to that situation to have something go down tomorrow, have it look like a bunch of two a boog type people have organized a revolution. And that would be the perfect pretense to take away everyone's guns and to kick off, you know, finally eliminate that segment of the population that would dare vote for Donald Trump. Yeah. No, I mean, I think there's a lot I can touch on there. Cause like you did kind of bring on, like, is there a master hand behind it? And I've always, I feel like a lot of times we're too binary in our thinking, especially of people of our kind, like we're too often very black and white. And like, so we're all like, it's always like, for example, the beltway libertarians are always like the, I don't know, the, the government is incompetent. And then you have some people who immediately just assume, you know, especially maybe like the Alex Jones types that government is evil but it's like it's almost like a mix of the two. It's it's not one or the one or the other. And like even with that, it's like even with there being evil, because I do think there are probably people who do control things from behind the scenes. But I don't think they're as powerful as they let on. And I think mm-hmm. I don't know. For example, like uh, I mean, I'm probably gonna touch on a. I probably might do a censorship episode this week. But like you look at like the stuff that's going on with like some of the censorship going on, and if anything, they're just kind of they do try to clamp down and be like, Hey, you can't do this here. But then all they do is just then redirect the energy to other places. So it's like, I do think it's one of those things where people try to have the central planning. I think to some extent it does work, but in the end it kind of just, I mean, I don't know. I guess I tied a lot too, where I'm like an agorist. So it's kind of like drives things to the Agora. It just drives things underground, which I mean, that's another, like that's a whole other thing too, where you can go into like how all this censorship of conservatives is going to backfire now, I don't know if we talked. Actually, I don't think we did touch on this, but I do think there with this all this crazy shit going on is gonna. I mean, you look at what eight years of Obama did, and it gave us Trump. Like, what is four to eight years of Biden or Harris gonna do? And after showing, after directly showing to conservatives that hey, the political route doesn't work, and on top of that, they did all the shit they did under Obama, but did it like ten times worse. Because a lot of the stuff that we're seeing now, like the censorship and stuff is like kind of a lot of the same stuff we were seeing around that era, but way cranked up. So like, what are we going to get? And I know a lot of people just think like, oh, you know, the the powers that be are just going to control shit. And it's like, that's not necessarily how things work. Sometimes people like, I think they overvalue the strength of the state or, or you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually, so I'm a black, I'm like a real doomer sometimes. If you, people who have listened to my show the whole time, I was really, I've always been a pessimist, kind of a doomer, but this is my white pill is I thought about writing a Substack article about this. Um, check me out, libertyweekly.net forward slash Substack. You can get me there, but um, I'm really excited right now. I'm really excited because 
I have never seen these alternative platforms be as viable as they are right now. And I was on BitChute months after it first started. I was on um, MeWe in 2018, March 2018. Um, not at the ground level, but things are really, I mean, things are getting user-friendly. Things are getting fun to use. There's enough people moving to these platforms to make it fun. Not only that, but it's like, okay, well, networks like Float. Every single fucking person that's on Float is a libertarian anarchist, pretty much. And so for content creators like me, it's like, oh, well, I can get in at the ground level at these things and really make something of myself and connect with a very targeted demographic of people who I know are receptive to this message. Um, I'm not that worried about uh, echo chambers or anything because I think we were already self-segregating. So I don't know if you worry about that. No, I mean, I, I don't know, especially like with our group of people, like where we come from, I don't feel like we kind of, in a sense, have an echo chamber, but being as we're kind of like the outcasts, it's kind of like, yeah, we do have an echo chamber, but that's like our only little, like one little spot, but the rest of our lives, like the 95% of our, the rest of our lives is not an echo chamber. And we kind of have to get used to existing in, you know, if anything, it's really like the left and the right that have the echo chambers. It's like, yeah. cause they're not used to, especially like, uh, I, I was, when I was in high school, I was in rural Tennessee. So like if I still live there in like I probably would be in a complete echo chamber of like Fox News conservative type stuff. And so yeah, that would that would be a legit echo chamber. But for me being a fucking ANCAP agorist, whatever, what have you, like just existing anywhere, like no matter whether I was in rural Tennessee or whether I was in, you know, like Sam in, in the kind of sort of Florida area, but say I lived in like the city of Tampa, like I still would like have to you know, I mean, I, like normal people I interact with are not going to be me. So, like, I have to learn how to operate in those areas. So, there's, I, I don't, know, we don't really have a echo chamber. So, I mean, I don't know. The whole echo chamber thing is kind of, eh, and I feel like people of our ilk kind of generally try to expose themselves to different ideas. I mean, that's the only reason I even got here in the first place. You know? Yeah. So I think you're right. Yeah. It, it's not everyone that's going to become a libertarian anarchist in this time. You have to be receptive to entertaining new ideas. And at this point, I remember when I first got into, when I first got into libertarianism and started calling myself an anarchist, I looked all over the internet for counter arguments. Cause I was like, you know, I really want to see both sides of this. Um, you know, but you don't get anything aside from people being like, Oh, Austrian economics is heterodox. It's just BS and whatever, you know, it's not empirical. <laughs> So. Yeah, or it's like silly shit, like, but who would build the roads? And right. then you'd go on a, it doesn't even take long to be like, oh, here's one re one way, here's another way, here's, you know. Oh, you mean private highways exist all over the place in Sweden and <laughs> France right now? Yeah. Uh, oh, I did kind of want to touch on, too, that you brought up the whole, like, um, I mean, I don't want to blow my wog because I saw him about doing a censorship episode. <laughs> you brought on, brought up the uh, the alternate, you know, socials. I'm kind of glad I, I jumped on early because I was seeing this going on, especially before the election. That's probably when I started really jumping on the other socials. But I am seeing these things gaining traction. And, like, while it's kind of annoying, uh, like, for example, like we were talking before how, like, my YouTube views have lately just gone, like, plummeted. And it's like, I mean, maybe I just suck and people don't like me anymore. I don't know. But, like. It's also like, but then I compare it to my bit shoot views or my like podcast views that go out to all different, you know, platforms. It's like, like my audio podcast. It's like, I don't know. It doesn't really add up. Whereas when I first started out, like I got way more 
So I don't know if they have some sort of algorithm going on. The point being, like, the more they clamp down on these, like, mainstream ones, you know, thinking they're going to, like, stop the chatter, all they're doing is pushing that, I mean, to bring up the echo chamber again, all they're doing is pushing us out of their echo chamber, in a sense. And, like, while it is annoying for, like, me and you to some extent, it is also, like, yes, maybe I may not be getting as much views as I would if I was on YouTube, but it's, like, the views I'm getting are people who are probably actually more prone to my message or, you know, like, more loyal listeners, because, like, if somebody I listen, that listens to me on BitChute is going to be generally probably better than someone who listens to me on YouTube, you know, generally speaking. So, and, yeah, getting in on the ground floor, like, I'm on float as well. Like, it's, like, it was annoying going out go, with all these different ones at first. It was kind of clunky. But they've kind of been getting a little bit better as time goes on, as I get more followers. Not even that I have a lot. I'm still very much on the ground floor. But I am, like, seeing this go forward. And I can – but, yeah, my point is kind of getting at before. Like, that's kind of the era, era – eh error in central planning and they're just like they they overvalue you know how much on their shit they are than when they're really not and you know all they do is drive people to in a sense the agora you know to bring it back into like agorism because that's kind of in a sense kind of what that is they're just driving an underground you know and so it that's exemplified in in us being here speaking together too is because i don't talk about this with other with people in my daily life you know my my normie life i i try to drop little things mm -hmm. to like if someone is complaining about the government i i lay it on really subtly um but here you, you know daily life being so cathedrally and mainstream has driven us to be to form this community online you know with a whole bunch of other people and seek everyone else out um another point on these alternative platforms is that it really feels like the wild wild west and I was too young to, I remember the early days of YouTube back in mid 2000s. Now I'm 27 years old and it feels like that again, or Holy at least shit. people, my no. bad. I don't know. I always thought you were older than me. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's the gray. I got gray hair in law school. Yeah. I just had this discussion with my uncle. God. <laughs> um, yeah. But so the, um, yeah, it just feels like the Wild West, and that's really exciting. It's mm. just there's this energy about it, and I, in some ways, I want to be white pilled on this, but in some ways, I think we're living through a libertarian golden age right now. I mean, in the '60s, the number of libertarians that were really ANCAPs were like ten people in a room with Murray Rothbard, you know, and now there's hundreds of thousands of us most likely. But to, to your point too, what we're looking for is to meet, maybe meet less people, reach less people. Jeff Dice said this on the human action podcast. He said, we want to, we want to reach maybe less people, but engage them on a very deep level. And I think that's what we have with these alternative platforms. Yeah. And I mean, like, I, I don't know. I mean, different strokes for different folk. I'm all for bringing people in, but at the same time, I think I mean, this kind of goes into, I mean, I'm not uh, very much on politics, but I know they talk about a lot when it comes to like the LP, like if we're going to, I mean, I'm, I'm very, I'm an agorist, I'm kind of anti, anti politics and that's a whole other separate conversation. But if you were going to, if that is a tenable, you know, tactic, you need to be on message. And a lot of people be like, oh, you need to be able to tamper your message to, to cater to, you know, the normies. But I actually think you're better off, like just being strong with your messaging and like, it'll kind of bring, I think naturally just bring people in by being bold. 
uh, I think it's Angela McCardle. I heard her recently say some shit where she was like, uh, you know, when you try to tamper your message, you just end up like, you know, appealing to no one, essentially, like not even the normies. At least when you're being bold, it's kind of like, oh, like, yeah, like, oh, my God, like, well, they're saying we should have no government. But it's like, at least it gets thinking, you know? Yeah. But, well, look but, at look at Ron Paul, you know? Um, exactly. Yeah. And I, I guess you could argue that. Uh, maybe a lot of the people that followed Ron Paul, Ron Paul were just transients politically that they would, you know, they turned into Bernie bros or they, they weren't principled, but they were listening to Ron Paul, you know, and if Ron Paul had succeeded, uh, if he, if he had more staying power in that moment, um, who knows, who knows? Yeah. But he was non-compromising and you like, you like, you hear people from all across the aisle. Well, like, you know, speak of his name with reverence. It's only like the neocons or the neoliberals that really will shit on his name. Like you can hear a Bernie bro, like you brought up Bernie bros. They will speak of, you know, Ron Paul with reverence. They, you know, like, like they don't agree with a lot of his message, but they're like, you know, motherfucker was bold. He was principled. Like, I mean, it's kind of like for me, like that's how kind of how I felt about Bernie before he caved to Hillary. He kind of was very much and had been for decades principled to his message. I think his principles were dumb. But at least it's like, okay, I can respect that. You know, like, I mean, after he caved to Hillary, I was kind of like, oh, no, he's uh, he's now he's caving into being, you know, just one of the elite kind of deal. But I my big my biggest knock against Bernie, I'm going to direct. OK, I'm going to direct everyone to a vintage, vintage Liberty Weekly episode. It's libertyweekly.net forward slash 15. It's titled Jane and Bernie Sanders in the Big Burlington Heist. Oh, I had that, so much fun with this one. Was that the one where, her, where his wife like had some sort of like, I, I, I don't know. I don't remember all the details, but she was like somehow extorting money or some shit. I don't remember how. She, um, so I, I have a whole bunch of news stories and links there. I did this investigative reporting episode on Jane and Jane Sanders taking over this Burlington college and basically sucking it dry like a vampire and, and hiring her own daughter for this like multi hundred thousand dollar pottery program. That just basically was, I, it was just uh, a money siphon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's funny. Yeah. I, I was probably around that time becoming more politically aware. So it was like, uh, that's why I had that impression of he was. No, I'm, yeah. I'm I not trying to knock you. I'm sorry. I, no, you're good. You're good. I know you weren't knocking me, but it was like yeah. one of those things I've been paying more attention. But when he came on the scenes, he had had like decades of like being like the principled, you know, not yeah. even run as a Democrat, you know, but yeah. Yep. I had already started the uh, the trend of caving to the establishment. You know, he was like, I'm going to play within the game, which to be fair, I understand how that works because you have people. I mean, that's kind of one not to go too deep into like why I'm against politics, but it's kind of like that's why it doesn't really work because they will shun you out of every political thing whatsoever. And that's why as he was running for independent for like ever, he wasn't able to make any sort of traction. The only time he was able to make some sort of traction was once he gave up principles. And in a sense, ironically, then he kind of loses traction. So it's just a losing game no matter how you cut it. So, yeah. Uh, once again, we're doing the same shit we did last time where we uh, we spend like forever. And I, I love it. But it's, <laughs> I'm trying not to do a third part because we won't do it until the end of the yeah. year. <laughs> but uh, let's move on. Ironically, here's another topic that um, kind of, I mean, impeachment. That was going to be the next topic I want to bring up. But I was talking about the first impeachment. And now, you know, <laughs> this is now there's another one. <laughs> So, which is fucking bizarre, but uh, I'll, I'll let you riff and, and go on that. What, what do you think of, let's start with the first impeachment. I mean, if you want to tie it into the one going on now, I mean, there's obviously 
parallels to be had. I do think it's really interesting how the first one got dragged on for forever because it was obviously like a, a political uh, dream for the elite, you know, and now they're just trying to get it through quick as fuck. So it's like we had one that lasted for months and now we have one that lasted less than a week. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's a marvel of their damage control. And I, I think that this is not, not to see things in, in black and white ways, but this again goes into the master 4d chess that I think the, the, the political elite are good at this strategizing and it was amazing how this whole Hunter Biden and Biden corruption thing just got swept into the sucked into the memory hole by a non-story with Donald Trump. How they could turn this very benign conversation that he had with the Ukrainian prosecutor, or was it the Ukrainian their dignitary or whatever? He he rightfully, I think rightfully, and I'm not you always have to freaking uh, qualify things by saying, well, I'm not a Trump supporter, but I'm going to defend him here. But you could, you could see that asking a foreign leader or a foreign country to investigate true corruption at the highest levels of your own political office, um, how that wouldn't be treasonous or anything like that. No quid pro quo, just a basic nothing burger, like the whole Russian investigation scandal before it. But, oh. Sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. I thought you were pausing there. <laughs> oh, no. Um, yeah. But basically what they did, I mean, they just, they, the root of the story was there's something really fishy going on with Joe Biden for years and years and his son Hunter. And they took that somehow and swept it under the memory hole and uh, now made it into a Trump impeachment situation. How the hell did they do that? Oh, yeah, that one blew my mind because it was like the whole time it was just and it's funny, too, because I have like semi normie friends. And if anything, like probably the people that I'm surrounded by are generally like more rightish. But then I do have like ones who are like centrist lefts. That's kind of like where the, you know, the range of people that I kind of like interact with usually. Um, and even then, they're kind of like a lot of them. I don't know, especially the center left ones. My right friends didn't. But the center left ones like just like we're like, yeah, that's not OK. Like to the Trump stuff. And it's like. I just don't get how you could like not see what happened with the whole Biden thing and not be like, uh, what is going on here? Because yeah, he straight up blatantly did quid pro quo, you know, but like, I don't know that, that it, it really was a whole, like you said, a whole nothing burger. And it was just like, for me, it was just more like tedious for months to be like, have friends that were like, Oh, what about this latest thing? I'm like, no, this is this, that, and this, this is fucking dumb. And for them being a normie, they're just like, there's no way the, the establishment make this big a deal out of nothing. It's like, yeah, they fucking would. <laughs> you know? Who builds? Yeah. Yeah. And, it, I, I, and I think part of the problem with everything is, of course, how the media has gotten control of everything and how the media lines up under one viewpoint and just pushes that. But people don't... I realize this, is that people do not actually read and investigate facts for themselves what they do is they get it through playing telephone tag by looking at all these different media outlets that like to make an analogy they they chew up the burger and spit it in their mouth in in the reader's mouth so if the burger is the real facts of what happened the media chews the burger up and spits it into the open mouths of all the readers and that's what happens i mean Trump never, I hate to be defending him, but he never said anything close to incitement. 
like like Dave Smith says, incitement has a legal definition. Of course, I would go that conspiracy has a legal definition. Incitement has a legal definition. There are elements that have to be met. You know what doesn't have a legal definition? Quid pro quo. Yeah. <laughs> just a phrase they made up. Well, yeah. Yeah. Which especially when you're talking about political, it's like that is what politics, politics is. <laughs> like what what I don't this mean this is a nothingness. And like I'd have like friends who are like, can you believe he asked for something in return for something from a foreign leader? It's like, what the fuck do you think are the what do you think uh, na- leaders of nations do? You know, political leaders or whatever. That's literally all they do. Like, I, I just don't even get know how to talk to you about this. Like, and I don't know. That goes into foreign policy too, where if you negotiate with anyone who's a bad leader, like, oh, heaven forbid, you have you break bread with Assad and you talk about how you could de-escalate violence. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're Hitler then. I mean, would you talk to Hitler? You wouldn't talk to Hitler. You would you kill Hitler. You don't talk to him. Which is honestly a stroke of genius from the establishment because it's really a way to have your cake and eat it too because you can do it to anyone. So it's like anyone that they decide because they could just tomorrow decide we don't like Turkey and then they can just point to atrocities. I mean, really, you could do it with America. Yeah. Like, I mean, easily. I mean, but yeah, and I kind of want to touch on too how it is funny how anytime we bring up like Trump, it is like we have to like caveat that it's like, you know, we're not Trump fans. And it's like, and it is like irritating. That's like the, one of the most annoying things about the past, like four years is I have had to be like, I almost feel like I'm a Trump supporter. All my n- generic friends, especially like my friends that are from the right. I'm like, I'm not on your team. <laughs> like, I'm just not. And like, like I have to remind them, like I, if it was up to me, he would be swinging from a tree in the, the white <laughs> lawn for the shit he's done. <laughs> like, like I- Go ahead. I remember the the day after the election. I was so in 2016. I was in law school. I can't remember. If, I think that was my second year, and um, I stayed up all night. I watched his announcement speech, just dumbfounded, like everyone else. It, it, it was a situation. It was like an impasse. I couldn't imagine Trump winning, and I couldn't imagine Hillary winning. But I knew one of them had to win, and I was so giddy because it was such a big fuck you to everybody. Um, that's what everyone voted for. And I, I w- couldn't wait to get to school the next day. And when I got to school within the first three minutes, we were talking at the library desk and one of these law students who was obviously liberal came up and just started pissing and moaning about Trump and the deplorables and everything. And I was that giddiness turned to like, Oh shit, this is what the next four years is going to be like. Yeah. Like yeah. With them, or it's like, no, I just like to be like, fuck you. Because yeah. <laughs> it is like, I mean, there's something about Trump that he is like, while he's been completely ineffectual, he has been a big middle finger to the establishment. Yeah. In some ways. I mean, I guess if you go deep conspiracy, and a lot of people think he's just controlled opposition, which I don't know, maybe he is, but I'm not asked, I'm not privy to that information. So I just go off what I'm given. And from my perspective, he's just a big F you to the state. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Let's move on to let's talk about the election. Let's talk about the 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 campaign trail. One of the big things I want to talk about is the the I feel like a big part of the year was all the Biden gas that just got completely covered up by the uh, fucking media. So uh, I don't know if you got some to add. You know, and he, they must have him on some really good uppers because in that first de- televised debate, there was only one, wasn't there? There was just one. I, I couldn't like two, but I don't remember. There, 
Yeah, I remember being too. super right. excited and being very let down when there wasn't any good gas. <laughs> yeah, I, I just I was dumbfounded by how he could actually get up on a stage and talk. They must have done something or have <laughs> have have you seen um there's pictures of older Biden where he has attached earlobes. You know this thing where your earlobes um, they can either be attached or detached, and it's a genetic mm. thing. There's a picture of Biden from like the 90s where his earlobes are attached, or it's they're either attached or detached. And there's a picture of him from nowadays where they're the opposite, and that's mm. physically impossible. Unless I don't think it's even possible if you had a plastic surgeon do it. So I don't know. It, it's it's nothing. But reptilian skin suit exactly yeah so i all all um conspiracy theorizing aside i was just amazed and the other thing was how people didn't know that about this biden scandal it, as it was going on during the debates trump i was amazed too because trump got on and he started talking about the hunter biden situation and no one knew what he was talking about and if they knew about it, it was some kind of a Rudy Giuliani swamp creature thing. Yeah, it was interesting how they just like, I feel like they knew, but I feel like, I mean, I guess you're normie, you didn't know, but like the people, like the ones moderating the debates and stuff obviously knew, but they just acted like they're like, like, cause I feel like they probably just knew your normies didn't know what was going on. And yeah, I mean, I don't know. It was something else. Yeah. I was definitely like, I was so excited for that first debate because I was just like, I had been having so much of a blast just catching the little like bits of like Biden gas here and there. It was just so much fun. And <laughs> like I was, I mean, I guess it's fun. As it went on, it kind of got a little more depressing because as much as I'm like, this is a horrible, despicable human being, it's still kind of like, is there no decorum? Why are we like pr- trotting out this fucking like, you know, someone who's obviously having mental health issues in his elderly age or elderly years. And we're just like putting him in front of crowds and be like, go at it. And he's just like, I just, (laughs) like, it just felt like cruel, even though it's like, I guess that's like, I shouldn't feel bad for him because it's like the amount of people's lives he's destroyed. But it's still like, not even like he's, he's not even really the same person in a way. Cause there's been moments where you see, you can see that there's not a whole lot going on up in there. So it's like, he's almost not even the same person. He's just like a, a shell of a human being with like a failing brain, you know, like, I, I don't even know how to put it that way. I mean, it's weird because then you do have other times where he does seem like pression and there and like, I don't know, maybe that is just the reptilian, uh, reptilian, you know, under the skin suit, but <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I just, I, it did become like, almost like I felt bad towards the end, but yeah, I was definitely very excited for that first one and they didn't pay off. I was like, what the fuck do they have him on? <laughs> I was too. Like I bought a case of beer and we made popcorn <laughs> and, uh, I just remember, uh, I don't know. I, my wife was there. We had just put our son down and we were watching. And I, I guess like at some points where Trump addressed the points I wanted him to, I got excited, but at the same time, it was so depressing because the other shit he said and just how awful Biden was the whole time. Like I wanted Trump to come out more anti-lockdown and more definitively say like he did, you know, he, he did kind of say that, but there was no knockout punch, and I wanted one really bad. Yeah, he never was principled. That's a, that's a big thing with Trump. It's if he had been like even semi principled, that would have been a million times better. But he just he didn't stick with anything, and that was one of the big things where I felt like I guess I felt like there was a, like a slip in his footing is when he did like 
Because he did like at one point, I don't remember exactly what it was, but at one point he did cave a little bit to the whole lockdown hysteria shit. Right, yeah. Like, I don't remember exactly what it was, but I remember that very moment I was like, all right, fuck. All right. Yeah, I remember he caved something. Because you obviously get your point. Because I was like, if he's going to be running for president, like that needs to be his thing. You don't need to be running from this like, uh, oh, well, we should only lock down certain spots and not here. And we need to reopen. But you need to have like a firm stance. And he never really had that. I mean, he did initially, but then he caved. And yeah, and also with the debates, he just like was like, I don't feel like he really hit Biden. He just like kind of did a little bit. I mean, and, but um, but then when he did, it kind of came off as petty. And like, whereas Biden was like, I don't know, it was just, yeah, it was, it was definitely a letdown. I was like looking forward to like Trump just fucking railing him. And then, you know, Biden, you know, just being a doddering old fool. And it just didn't work out that way at all. You know, I wanted like a repeat of Trump 20, Trump Hillary 2016. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no. What, what are those debates? I, I think the one way that Trump really shot himself in the foot was, um, endorsing the vaccine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I it just, it's like, he just doesn't know where to stand on things at all. Cause it's like, he's not in touch mm -hmm. with his base either. Cause even your generic conservatives, even with him being pushing for it is not about it. You know, like, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I say that, but then again, I guess I do kind of know some generic conservatives who are, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, let's move on to we kind of touched on earlier. I missed a good opportunity for a transition, but fuck it, I'm not that professional. Uh, <laughs> let's let's talk about Hunter Biden and uh, you know all the craziness that was going on there because that that's a story in and of itself. And I also do want to touch on how we think this will play going forward because uh, I think that this will be possibly a club the Republicans use against Biden, and I think that might be interesting. You know, that's a fair point. I didn't think mm -hmm. about it that way because this was a thought I had before. Uh, the election is going because I knew the Hunter Biden stuff was going on. What I assumed was going to happen if Trump got elected, it was just going to get forgotten. And it was going to be kind of like the whole Hillary thing, lock her up. But I always, I also thought, but if Biden gets elected, this is going to be what the, the Republicans use as a, as a club against him. You know what I mean? I, I think, okay, I think you're right. I also think that from the other perspective, and I don't think this is an idea that's original to me either, but it seems like the thing with Biden is that Biden is controllable. They have dirt on him, not just the Republicans, but the the people who are really in control aren't the people that you see in front of you. Um, you might hear about them sometimes. I don't even know if it's um, you know the the boogeymen that we hear about uh, all the time, like out of Bill Gates. Although I think he's a lot to do with it, but George Soros and the Rothschilds and all these people. There might even be a level behind them, too. <laughs> but um, I think a, a quality of it, if you watch, are you familiar with Mark Passio at all? I think I brought him up in our last episode. I meant to look into it. I, that name is one I've heard a million times, and I know the name. I just can't put a face to it. Like, I Did know. I tell you that he was he was a bishop in the Church of Satan, or he was yeah. like a high priest? Well, he says that's how, that the the Church of Satan is a feeder or one of the feeder organizations for this dark occult power elite that controls most of politics. But and he said he saw it with his own eyes. But the thing about it is that they get each other together, and that's kind of what Bohemian Grove is: is that they'll do terrible kind of sadistic acts on victims, and that's how they compromise someone else so that they can control them. It's like a bond in this. I'm sure your listeners, you know, either they're completely blown away and think very little of me right now, or they know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, it's legit shit. Yeah. I was actually just giggling because for some reason it brought to mind like 
yeah. was a recent interview with Alex Jones where he's talking about it and he was talking about like, and then you have a senator's son who's fucking a dude in the ass. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, that was legit. either Tim Pool or Joe Rogan, just with Tim Dillon. Yeah, I think it was that one. It was I was pretty- I, I was hunting. I was in my tree stand when I was listening to that, and um, no wonder I didn't see anything because I kept laughing. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could read the line. It was fucking great. It was like, yeah, he's the senator's fucking dude in the ass, and they're like, all right, you can be president now. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I. I don't want to, I guess, do I want to assume that our audience knows what the Hunter Biden scandal is? I mean, basically that he was, he was the funneling money through the Burisma board, which is Ukrainian natural gas company, um, uh, selling access to his father for money that he got through his salary on this board of the natural gas company. I think basically that's it. Right. And there, there was a laptop that he in some kind of crack induced stupor left at a laptop repair shop and there's a statute whereby in you know if someone doesn't pay their bill for the labor you've done you can reclaim and get a lien on their property and you can sell it well the computer owner did that after it was sitting there for a while and ended up turning it into rudy giuliani yeah but the emails were confirmed by its recipients and this tony bobolinsky guy yeah the uh I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but you know, they uh, pretty much the mainstream media and even the Biden campaign never really denied it. They would always just like find, like, I don't remember, like, how do I put it? They would obfuscate basically, but they no one ever straight up said, aside from, I mean, like, just generic people on the internet that would say stuff like, no, that probably isn't his, his laptop, but. Like people like, you know, the mainstream people, the ones who like know this is something that com- could come back to bite me if I'm like on the record saying, you know, complete bullshit, you know, on this at least, they were pretty much never straight up say it wasn't his. It was com- it was confirmed to the nth degree. It had multiple people who were the, who had emailed, like email recipients that he'd emailed who then confirmed. It had been confirmed to the nth degree, but it was just a matter of like, I don't know, people played this whole game of just like, it was just obfuscation is all it was. Yeah. It, it was you might as well just take it as fact. And it's also a matter of like, we don't know all that was on there. It was heavily implied by some of the more conspiracy minded individuals to so take that with a grain of salt. Then maybe there was some like weird, like kitty porn slash shit like that, which I mean, I'm not putting it past any of those fucking sickos. I, I especially like someone tied to Biden, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, it could be not a thing. I don't know, but yeah, if anything, it could be one of those things where they brought, brought that into the mix to make it seem less like, like less believable, you know? But at the end of the day, the the crux of it, aside from all that shit, was yeah that they fucking they were selling access and like it was this generic thing where like he was working for some other foreign nation's company or the fuck and just making money on the table and which I guess apparently I think like Mitt Rom one of Mitt Romney's relatives was on it a bunch of other people's were on like there too and it's just this this thing which is like a people this is unsaid thing that like. This is why they never made a thing of it because there's so many fucking politicians who are in this kind of shit where it's like they get in there and they realize, oh, like I can get my my cousin to be in this one thing and I can make him he can get seven hundred thousand dollars a year or whatever. And it's like you got to realize, like, I mean, they probably are kicking that back as in, to some extent to their, you know, to their old pops or whatever, you know. So, yeah. Sorry, I'm rambling. But <laughs> oh, no, no. Yeah. Good. yeah. So. You know <laughs> I had something, but I lost it. So what are you moving on then to the, the Biden win and the fraud accusation? Uh, what do you, you want to start off with that? The Biden win. Oh, I forgot. I, I made that note. 
I mean, the fraud thing, okay, I got to say, I really do hate uh, how um, people made it out. There's this thing that no way that um, there's a fraud in the election because it's just like, I mean, I don't know. It's how you could believe that. I mean, every election has fraud to some extent. It's like to, to think otherwise is just to be naive. So it's a matter of to what extent. And if you don't believe that these people could be capable of that, I, I don't know what to tell you. There was also so much weird election hijinks that happened that was like, I do think it was to a very high degree. Now, is it to a definite degree to make a difference in the election? I don't know. Scott Horton brings up a good point a lot of times that Trump kind of shot himself in the foot by being against mail-in voting. Um, I mean, I understand initially being against it, but like once you, it's already a thing and it's happening to continue to be against it instead of being like, hey, you guys need to go do this is dumb. Because yeah. especially if you take into account his base is generally older conservatives. And these are people who are kind of scared about the COVID stuff, rightfully so to some extent, because they are the target demographic that's that's going to be an issue for. So why would you not promote mail-in voting for them? Because it's like, especially once it's a given, it's happening anyways, no matter what you do. It'd be one thing if he had made some sort of power move to stop it beforehand, but he never did. And yeah. I, th I think he made a bad calculation because I think he thought he would be able to get rid of the mail-in ballots. I really think that's what it was. But... um I, I don't know. We Okay, a couple thoughts. First thought is that I don't know how anyone could have faith in the legitimacy of a democratic election again ever. You know, it was it was so it was such a tenuous thread for me even when I wasn't an anarchist. But how how could you after this? How could you? Yeah, and the irony of it all was that fucking 4 years ago, these same people are saying that these things are like these are completely up and up for the ones who are complaining about fucking Russian ads and like, or right. Russian shit posters or whatever. And it's like, you're talking the most in like tiniest of infinitesimally small difference in an election. Like, sure. Maybe you could possibly make a case that it made a few hundred, like a difference of a few hundred, maybe even a few thousand uh, ballots. But to make the, the case that it like swayed the election is just fucking retarded. There's no way about it, you know? And th at least this one was grounded in some sort of reality, you know? Yeah. Well, <laughs> the goddamn gall of them to say, oh, a few Russian shit posters influenced the election, but Facebook showing election registration reminders to certain demographics isn't. <laughs> you know, like, how many people in this country you think, um, I, would, I would say 75 to 80% of people in this country have a Facebook account. Well, what if Facebook only reminded people of certain demographics who usually voted Democrat? Uh, what if they reminded them to register and vote on election day, but didn't remind conservatives? Something like that. Or what if Google delisted and only pulled up negative search results for, for Trump and only pulled up positive search results for, for Hillary Clinton? Um, I think that is a huge you know, interference. Yeah, but to them, that's just the truth, you know? Like, it, it is what it is. But, yeah, no, I do think it's fine, too. Another point I want to hit on with the uh, with the, the mail-in voting is it also lowered the bar of effort required to vote. And that's the one big thing, as we, like, a lot of people like to – I mean, from the left, it's like, oh, this is democracy, and democracy is great. From the right, it's like, well, this isn't democracy. It's a constitutional republic, which is just democracy with extra steps. But I digress. It's still like if we are going to have this system where we vote, it's I have always hated the argument that we need to make it accessible to everyone and easier for everyone because it's like you are just making this 
like you were just essentially lowering the quality of the individuals who vote in a sense. I mean, I mean, I guess you can make a case one way or the other, but it's still like, I don't know, making things more democratic doesn't make it better. I mean, especially that's easy for me and you to say, but even from a perspective of a, you know, a Republican or even, I guess maybe we wouldn't be able to make this argument to a progressive or whatever, but to a conservative, it's like, this is not the way to go. Like making this easier for people to vote where it's like very little effort. It's not really, I mean, you're, you're reducing the quality of the individuals who are participating in your system, you know? More so than that. I mean, does it even really matter? So if, if there's only two shitty options, does it matter how many votes each one gets? The result is the same. If you get 30 votes in one category and 31 votes in the other category, it's the same result. If you get 3 million votes in one category and 3 million in one votes in, you know, the other option. Right. So yeah. I, I guess I inartfully said, basically like <laughs> it, you're, you're going to get one, you're either going to get a or B and, and is a better than B. I don't know. Does it matter if, you know, one, if a gets 35 votes and B gets 40 votes, it's the same result. It's funny that you, I was just thinking about it. It's like, it reminded me as a kid, like kind of like the impression I got of government and how romanticized it was. And it was like, you know, every vote counts. Right. You could be that one vote that makes a difference. And like, think it, it sounds great. It sounds beautiful. But then you really think about it and you're like, no, that's the fucking worst. Right. Like you're telling me that one person, one person with one shitty idea could make a huge difference in like to this extent. It's like you, I, I, it's just so funny how they can twist things in their head. And like, yeah, I mean, it is this thing where you play on people's ego to make them like you're special. But it's like, but if you really think about it, you're like, yeah, but that could be anyone else. That could be some asshole that lives under a bridge that now just made it so your life is shit for the next four to eight years, you know? Like, <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it builds, I think it's because it's a participatory religion. In order to get to, in order to get people to believe, you have to get them to participate. Um, you know, I'm I'm a, I'm a Christian myself, um, so so don't take this the wrong way. But if you get someone to come to the service and to eat the bread and drink the wine, you know they're going to feel much more connected to what's going on than if they sat outside and heard the organ playing. You know. So I, I think you, you got to get them to participate in it before they feel the magic. Yeah, that's fair. Because, I mean, I, I grew up religious. I mean, I think I told you previously. Maybe I didn't. Maybe I did. I don't know. Uh, that I am an atheist. I mean, I, but I grew up super religious. And I do remember, like, being – and that was a large part of it for me, of, like, what made it, like, being part of it. And it's, like, just – I don't know, almost like it's, like, ooh, like this – I don't know, this feeling of being involved in, like, the baptism and all these, like, rituals and stuff. But I mean, for me personally, it's just like once I reevaluated re it logically, none of it made sense to me. I mean, yeah. but, you know, that's a whole other separate discussion. Oh, but, yeah, we could yeah. do that. But <laughs> Rothbard, yeah. I mean, it's sorry, I didn't mean to jump in, but Rothbard says, I mean, you have to make democracy does this is that it tricks people into thinking that the state is us. Yes. So anything that the state does to us is OK because we voted for it. Yeah, no, it's true. That's a, and to, to, to back up a little bit, it's kind of a lot of why I'm, uh, I mean, I've done episodes already on like, uh, being like kind of anti-politics in general and not thinking that's the route to go. Like I would prefer people just don't vote at all, Yeah. but like, yeah, that's, and that's, that's a big part of it. 
Um, so let's let's start moving, shifting, uh, shifting things. Uh, you said you had some things. I don't know if you had anything you wanted to bring up, any topics you wanted to bring up from 2020. I've kind of brought up all mine, and uh, I have like one more thing, but that's kind of what I'm gonna say for last. But I want to see if you had anything because 2020, there's so much. Like you brought up in the last episode, the whole Soleimani thing, and I didn't even think of it, and that's fucking huge. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know if you had anything because I'm sure I probably missed multiple fucking major things. So. Well, shit, the ghost of Soleimani came back uh, in the days leading up to January 6th. You remember that? They were like, uh, oh, Iran, some Iranian official threatened to fly a plane into the back of the Capitol building. Did you hear about this? No, I didn't see that. Yeah, well, oh, allegedly that was something that was floating around leading up to January 6th. (laughs) Funny. No, I I didn't see that. (laughs) Well, I, I got a lot of things. I mean, we could spend... 15 or 20 minutes on each one so i mean one it would be the religion of trusting the science we we talked about religion now but this was a big thing that came up um just blindly trusting oh well you know trust the science uh my science versus your science trust the experts um i i don't think this is anything new to 2020 but it really came out in 2020 Oh yeah, for sure. It was, uh, it was definitely nuts. And it's, and the funny thing is this whole, like, trust the science thing is like, it's, yeah, it's like, it's funny. I think Vin Armani brought up some point one time, I don't remember who he was on with, but he brought this point that's like kind of this whole scientism thing appeals to midwits. But then on the other hand, the whole, like being skeptical or like, like basically being on the other team, of a sense of uh, like essentially the team, I don't know what you'd call it, but team against trust of science were either really smart people or fucking idiots. And so this <laughs> yeah. like, is like your generic, like, you know, I don't know your generic normie or whatever, you know, like, I don't know how to say it. Like your generic white trash or what, what have you would be the ones who are like, Oh no, I don't believe any of that bullshit, but then have no factual, anything to base it on of, or just generic Trump, Trump followers or whatever. But then you had other people who actually like thought critically and were like, no, this is stupid. Like this is an actual science. Like, I mean, I remember before all this COVID stuff began or actually right around that time, I think, um, who was it? Horton, I think had some, like, he didn't actually, he kind of after the fact, like not saying who it was, he was talking about how he had talked to somebody who was like a researcher or something. And it was like involved in the whole COVID stuff and how they were saying, like, even at this time, they're spouting all these certainties from the trust science folks. And they were being like, no, uh, we really don't know anything yet. And I mean, that's just, but the thing is people don't realize that's how science works. Like pretty much starting off, especially something like COVID, you don't fucking know a goddamn thing. Like that's just how science works. And all this like, oh, trust the science, trust the science. Like there is not really any science yet. Like you're, the science right now is to be skeptical and wait for stats to come in. And right now you have no fucking stats. So like to even say the, the trust of science is just retarded in and of itself, you know? And I don't know, it's just frustrating, you know? Well, you, you're right because you said um, skeptical skepticism. Skepticism is something that's built into science. When we say science, what are we even talking about, right? These people don't remember high school biology is... The science is not a monolith either. Science is a method. That's why it's called the scientific method. It's a method of thinking. And this comes off of uh, repeated experiments that, uh, excuse me, experiments 
the result of which you are replicable and questioning those results and analyzing them, formulating, well, first you formulate a hypothesis, then you test it, then you test it again to see if you get the same results, and then compete it, you repeatedly test that hypothesis until you break it, then you learn something. <laughs> so it's yeah, like, that is another good point. I didn't even, uh, that is another thing I've had thought about before. There's no such thing as the science is settled. Like people who say the science is settled are people who don't know the fuck they're talking about because that's there's you know how many times that's one big part big thing uh, Thaddeus Russell's brought up multiple times in defense of like postmodernism and the whole idea of like you know questioning everything you know because like think about centuries ago what was settled in science and like people thought they knew was objective reality and like and it's almost entirely bullshit now and that's probably going to be the case hundreds of years from now as well you know <laughs> so. Yeah. Not only that, but you, so you and I know that just because someone is a part of the government group doesn't make them uh, <laughs> able to do more things, or it doesn't make them esteemed. It doesn't make them especially qualified. It doesn't do any, anything like that. People think that scientists are some elite class, some godly demigod type class that they don't have human motivations they don't have human fallibility. They don't have human emotion. They don't have a connection to their work. Imagine if you're a scientist and you've devoted your entire career towards one hypothesis and you're 65 years old, you're tenured, you've written books about this, you've toured all over the place, and all of a sudden someone comes up with a study that has conclusive ev evidence that your entire career was fucking wrong. What are you going to do? You're going to bury that person. <laughs> That's what you're going to do. <laughs> so it just doesn't. Um, so to think that scientists don't have their own agenda or they don't have their own motivations is, is so naive from the trust the science people. Especially government scientists. Yeah. <laughs> that is the biggest thing is so much of this was driven from like government scientists. Yeah. And even then ones who aren't technically government scientists, which kind of plays into a lot of this like, oh, this is a private company, bro, with like all this shit going on now with censorship. It's like sort of, not really. Like the same thing goes with science stuff. So much of that is funded by the fucking government. So it's like they have reasons to have certain positions. And like I'm not even necessi necessarily saying they're being intentionally dishonest. But there are so many times where certain things will unintentionally and you don't even maybe not even purposely doing it will change your perspective on things. For example, like, uh, I don't know, but I've had multiple conversations about how long it took me from to go from a minarchist to an anarchist, but it's because there's so much like propaganda and like years of being raised a certain way that kept me from being able to make that leap. And I feel like it's a lot of the same thing here where it's like, I've, you know, like there's just little things will kind of just not even like you're not even doing it personally, purposely, but it'll just make it so you just can't take that leap to like, oh, this, you know? It really goes back in down to base assumptions, core values, uh, first principles is what, um, I, I mean, when you walk into it with one of the big core libertarian principles is that the government creates nothing. Everything the government has, it first has to take from someone else. When you accept that truism, then <laughs> you it frames your entire way of thinking about the government. And if, if you don't have that core assumption, if you don't have that core understanding, which I think is logically deducible, that it's a priori that the government 
has to necessarily has to take from someone else. It doesn't produce anything. Then it frames everything. Uh, another thing about the the experts is that well, am I gonna am I gonna get that grant that my job depends on if I come up with a study that goes against the government's agenda? Is the government still gonna give me that grant, or you know, am I gonna get that promotion at this government institution? So. Rothbard again he talks about that in the anatomy of the state the the opinion molders the the class that is can't hack it in the private market so they have to um for their own survival be part of the government and priest. live off that yeah, yeah. yeah. the priest cast in the cathedral yeah. <laughs> yeah um you have any any other points before we move on to our last point uh, oh i got so many man um, oh my god wait how many like really good ones do you have cuz we'll okay, let, let me see and so, <laughs> so, I mean, we, we keep, we'll keep going on like 20 plus minute tangents on each one. So we will. Probably, so let's do oh, like one or two more, but it depends. The, huh? the other big theme is the massive red pilling. I, I don't know if we touched on this already, but um, not in the red pilling that we maybe would want with the, the black and yellow pill. But um, I mean, people like my mom, um, She's a scapegoat for my conversations here. I think she listens to some of my stuff too, but um, she she's always been. So my my grandpa was a John Bircher, you know, like a real right wing uh, libertarian conspiracy theorist, and um, so she grew up reading Harry Brown because my grandpa would make her uh, Freedom in an Unfree World, which is cool creature from Jekyll Island, but um, so she had that kernel of it, but she was a lot more into the duopoly kind of situation before this even. And I've noticed that from a bunch of people. I anecdotally, I had a buddy. I saw him last, last weekend or the weekend before for the first time since high school. And when we were in high school and after that, he was a Bernie bro. And now after all this, he was defending Trump from, you know, in the January 6th situation and about how the election's all bullshit. Um, and he's a Bernie, you know, was a Bernie bro. So I think a lot of minds were changed. Yeah, I agree. I, I, uh, I mean, especially on my friends, I guess I kind of like, I do the same thing where I like go off my family cause my family is kind of like generic conservatives, like just milk toast. Like it's not even that they're like, I mean, I guess like semi neocon ish, but not in like a evil way, just in a generic, like. That's just what they say in the news. So we love you know. freedom. We love our troops. Our troops yeah. give us freedom. Yeah, and it's not even they don't even it's not even that they really even necessarily have a hard opinion. It's just that it's just not something that really matters that much to them, which I completely get. Yeah. And uh yeah, no, like even them, I just feel like like your normal person, especially I feel like the big thing in people's eyes got open to was the deep state. Whereas like that is a thing. Yeah. And it's the fucking it's just not tenable at all. Like I, I don't know. That's right, that's probably the biggest thing I got is the deep state. And yeah. This in general that like I mean I had so many people that I feel like this year like I seemed a whole lot less crazy too, but then <laughs> you know because like, I always just I felt like for a while I was just like sometimes I just like doubted myself and I'm like maybe I'm just fucking crazy because it's like just normal life like I'm just such a I mean not that I like I have I'm used to dealing with people who have different uh, different thoughts than me but like like just being such an outcast. And then it just was like, this is a complete turnaround where people are like coming to me to be like, Hey, what do you think of this? And I'm like, Whoa, like, <laughs> cause I was like the crazy one for the longest time, but I was yeah. just, you know, like, I, I don't know. Like it, it is what it is. Like now they're looking at me like, Hey man, what do you, what do you, what do you think about this? What do you think we should do? Like, and I'm like, 
I, I'm not used to you guys looking up to me like this. <laughs> I'm used to being the crazy fucking one, you know? The crazy but, one in the corner talking about, okay, yeah. at least I'm, I'm, I've dabbled in 9-11 truth and I've, yeah. it, but, but the real truth behind it is that, sorry, this is a tangent shit, but uh, the truth of it is that we got into foreign wars and that was the catalyst event, whether it was planned or not, whatever the truth of it is anyways. But, but to be someone like that, trying to explain to these people, all these different things, you look like Charlie from it's always sunny. I think its name is Charlie that where he, a- you know, that meme where he has all the pictures on the wall and he's like drawing lines between it. It's actually from Pacific rim that scene, but yes, I get what you mean. Yeah. Is it really? Yeah. It's from Pacific rim. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. But that's, oh, that's no. where that, but it is Charlie from uh, It's Always Sunny, but it's just okay, that, okay. that that movie. But yeah, no, I know what you mean. It's like I like I said, I was kind of that like period too when all this shit happened, where I was like kind of doubting myself, like maybe I am crazy because I'm such an outcast. And then it turned around, I was like, oh no, I've just been right this whole fucking time. <laughs> what, what year was that? What when I uh flip? Oh, what what are you talking about? When you were feeling like an outcast, like 2019. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say I I turned into an ANCAP in like 20. 15 or 16 and i got really into peter schiff and for a couple of years i was really like the collapse is coming it's gonna be here you know like we gotta buy gold and silver the fed you know hyperinflation it's coming and i don't know i think i'm this brings me into the another thing on my list was deficits don't matter yeah no i uh Sorry, let me cut you off. But, you know, uh, that's kind of where I was at, too. I was coming more from, like, an economic perspective where I had been saying for a while, like, especially because, like, the big thing was, like, all the Trumpers, which I kind of told you, like, the people I kind of interact with, especially, like, work and stuff, are more right-leaning. And they were like, look at this great fucking economy. How wonderful yeah. it is. It's yeah. like, no, it's not. <laughs> that's something, like, Tim Pool would say. He still says that, oh, we had the greatest economy. And my parents were all like during that time, oh, you know, the economy is so great. Like our po- our portfolio is doing well. So how could the economy be doing bad? Yeah. And that's kind of where I was, where I was starting to feel like crazy because everyone was like, the economy is so great, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> like it yeah. is going to crash. We are the so going to crash. And like, and I felt like I was like crazy because I was, and I, even then I wasn't even really, like I said, I'm not the one to like make resolute declare declarations or to like especially when it comes to like conspiracy stuff but i was like the the fucking principles right now just do not add up we are on the verge of a collapse and then ironically with every the way it always works with every collapse there's some sort of reason and obviously this time was covid and that was like covid was the perfect fucking like oh now we have a collapse oh well, it was because of covid yeah. you know like and i but the funny thing is i had so many people who I had a lot of friends who saw through that because I was like, had been saying there was going to be a collapse, especially I have so many friends involved in stocks. And I was like, yes, they're like, they're like, Oh, that's because of COVID. I was like, was it really, have I not been saying this for a while? And they're like, yeah. Like, and it (laughs) was the collapse, not a little bit before the COVID stuff really hit. Does this not seem fishy to you at all? I'm like, yeah. (laughs) No, we, we don't have to blame it on modern. We don't have to blame it on modern monetary theory anymore. We don't have to blame it on Fed inflationism and uh, money printing or anything like that. It's COVID. COVID is the problem. Yeah, and it was funny too because I had, the reason why I knew it was going to collapse is because I saw – I think it was actually some like Ron Paul like fucking uh, articles or some shit where they were showing like right – but this was before COVID that they were dumping an insane amount of money to the stocks. And I was like, I know exactly what's happening. They're trying to dump money in the stocks right before the election. That way they can – 
you know, pass the buck a little bit until after election. And that way, cause they know the collapse is coming. They know it. And like, but they want to make that collapse happen after the election because a pre-election collapse completely fucks you. But yeah. And so anyways, we're getting, we're getting a little into it, but <laughs> you, you talk about deficits don't matter. I guess we just kind of touched on that anyways. Didn't yeah. We? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Universal basic income test run was another thing that I came up with. And it, it seems like that's kind of, it, it, as, as the collapse happens, I think it's going to, they need to use it to usher in the next era. Their next era of planning is what, and I say they usually, loosely, they loosely. Um, I think we've seen test run of it with these stimulus packages. Maybe it's going to become more frequent and more money. The inflation has yet to hit yet. I've seen a little bit of it, but, have you have you noticed like how much is a gallon of milk over there? Honestly, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. Probably three three fifty. Four or five bucks, maybe. Really? Talking to my ass. I don't know. My wife does the groceries, so well, same here. <laughs> I, I always thought the milk was two and a half or something. Two and a half or three. I know I have noticed a little bit, but not a lot. Not as much as it should be. Bread is expensive. Four but or five I bucks for a loaf. Yeah, but I have no. Yeah, there has been a lot of like random stuff that's gone up. But I have a, the UBI thing. Yeah, you're totally it's totally right. We have already gotten sneakily to the point where we're uh, just waiting for the next one, waiting for the next one, waiting for the next one. And it's actually a smart way to do UBI because we're, we're if anything, that makes us more subservient to them. I know me and you, I don't really care. I mean, like I'm like cool. I I want them. Keep giving me stimulus. Keep giving me yeah. stimulus. But it's not, like we had this conversation last time, but I'm more because I'm kind of like sort of collapsitarian now yeah and i'm just just keep giving me money baby i'm gonna fucking you know i don't know you know whether i mean i'm gonna get my situation right to prepare for your inevitable downfall yeah so like you are shooting yourself in the foot like um I don't well, know, I some, go ahead oh i'm sorry I, I bought a few guns i bought ammo reloading part components i bought i did this before when this all hit but i i bought some med kits i bought you know, we have a, a food stockpile, you know, I need, I do need a water filter, like one of those mass water filters. Mm. But, um, you know, I've been buying crypto. That was my other thing is that crypto becomes mainstream with Bitcoin hitting 20 and then 40,000 or 38 or however far it got. I've been dabbling this whole time in crypto, but I really have been getting into it. You yeah. Know? It's for me. I mean, for your normies, I don't feel like it's a thing for me and you, like, yeah, the more money the government's going to give me, the more I'm going to use it to prepare for when the government fucks up. Because I know that them giving out money is a signal of like, hey, this is not good. Yeah. So for me, it's like, yeah, I mean, I'm going forward for me, I'm kind of at a spot where, I don't know, I'll probably like maybe pay off some debts, maybe get some more guns, maybe start debt. I haven't yet dabbled in a crypto or or, uh, or like gold and silver and stuff, like precious metals, but I'm kind of there. I, I kind of wanted to get, like, I think we talked about it early, last time, but for me, I'm more like I want to have my physical goods, like whether it be gardening tools, you know, just different stuff like that, guns, ammo, yeah, yeah. actual stuff I can physically use. Because like uh, gold and silver and crypto are all great, but when there's, if they're on the off chance an, an actual collapse does happen, it's not going to be of much use yeah. until after the collapse. Because those are type type goods that will be will be great when you're rebuilding after the collapse, but during yeah. the collapse, it's pretty goddamn useless. I think but, a, a can of tuna would be worth a lot in gold, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or um, I, I really do think though, is that crypto 
and I'm not an expert on this, but I think cryptocurrency's mass adoption is in an, it's inevitable. Whether or not you believe gold is, I do, I'm a gold bug. I do believe that gold and silver is a better amount, um, a better money, but um, the government is going to adopt cryptocurrency. It's going to happen. There's going to be a world bank takeover, a, a world bank or a central bank takeover of cryptocurrencies. Institutional money is going to come into it. Now, whether that it goes into Fed coin or some Frankenstein monster that they cook up some kind of centralized cryptocurrency, it might go into that. But but electronic money is the future. Cashless society. It's gotta be. Yeah, I agree. That's why I think like I mean, while I have said that I don't have any crypto yet, I do think Getting in early and getting other forms of crypto that aren't going to be the whatever the Fed crypto is going to be is the way to go. So yeah. the early on the on the game is probably better. I mean, I say that as take that with a grain of salt as someone who's not been not in the game yet. I just that's not the important thing to me at the moment, you know. But yeah, it's more a matter of uh, priorities. But <laughs> yeah, well, let, let me drop a, a little thing. Sorry to keep bringing things up, but I was done. <laughs> uh, no, I keep bringing things up when it's like, um, how much time? Anyways, um, I read this interesting article about how Tether is a big... Do you know what Tether is? No, not really. Okay, my very noob understanding of Tether is that some people have created a cryptocurrency where the value of it is pegged to the dollar. So when you go on exchanges, you you buy things, you, know, you, you pay this company your dollars and they give you a tether coin which is a cryptocurrency and you can use the the tether coin to buy any other cryptocurrency so i think it it eliminates the exchange fee you would get if you bought us dollars to bitcoin and then use bitcoin to buy another cryptocurrency because there's exchange fees every time you do that the idea that most money flowing into crypto markets are tether coins and that Tethercoin is a huge Ponzi scheme because the company that runs Tethercoin doesn't actually have enough dollars to back up the Tethercoins that they're issuing. So, I mean, you could argue it's just like any bank in the United States. Is there yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's a, a fractional reserve. So, I don't know. It was interesting to me. Some people are saying that Tether is going to collapse and that will rock the crypto markets. But. I know that's too deep crypto for me to know. Like, I I'm guess I'm sorry. <laughs> I've wore on my sleeve big time that I'm not a tech guy. And that's actually one of the biggest things that kind of kept me getting into like this scene is like the like not being a tech dude. And on top of that, like uh, there is, I feel like, like I've said many times for people listening, if you want to, if you feel like you have something important to say, or even if you don't, if you just want to talk to people or whatever, fucking do it. And yeah. I have probably, I don't think I've had anyone yet turn me down for an interview. Like I've had people maybe, I've had like one or two people have been a little bit difficult for scheduling. Pretty much the vast majority of people all said yes immediately and were completely super open with scheduling as well. So like that's the one thing that people that have this impression of like, I guess it's like I was, we were talking beforehand how my kids know I'm like podcast now and like think I'm like famous and it's kind of like, I, while I joke and laugh about that, it's kind of the same thing that we had, like at least me had with some of these people that I've talked to already that I'm like, Oh, they're kind of like famous. And it's like, right. I mean, like, to me kind of, but like when I'm like, Hey man, what's up? You want to do a podcast? We're like, yeah, what's up? Whenever. And I'm like, how about this day? You're like, yep, sure. And you're like, 
holy shit, was that easy? Like, yeah. <laughs> we know there's a little bit of a side, but I, I try to bring that up when I can because I do think it's important to let people know, like, hey, fucking, if this is, like, I, I don't know, I just, for me, I guess coming out of nowhere and talking to all these people that I've kind of respected and stuff, it is kind of like a important message to put out, I think. But Oh, yeah, yeah. You're, you're only limited by the size of your cojones. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I mean. I, for I, real. I I haven't had any like huge people like, and even then it's probably just cause I haven't even approached them for like, for example, like uh, Tom Woods and Dave Smith are probably the two biggest ones I haven't even approached yet, but it's like, I don't know, maybe I could, I don't know. <laughs> I just have to try. Yeah. I guess I'm just going to be a pussy. Also, I'd also kind of don't really even know what I would want to talk to them about yet. So I also mm. don't want to come to them and be like, I don't know what I want to talk to you about. Yeah. <laughs> like I want to have a bright topic ready. Well, the, the worst thing that could happen is they could say no, or they could just never answer. Yeah. <laughs> like who the fuck are you? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But all right. I think it's probably a good spot to move on to uh, the last topic. I kind of wanted to, to finish this out with what to, what do you, what are you expecting for 2021? I mean, we're kind of cheating a little bit because we're already in 2021 and we've got a little bit of a taste and it's a, uh, it's interesting for sure. <laughs> well, in, in a lot of ways, I think it depends on what happens tomorrow, which will be interesting for our listeners, at least my listeners, because I won't release this until maybe Friday or Saturday. But you'll already know what happens. But um, I don't know. I'm I'm black pilled again. I'm but I there's a side, it's a black and white pill. So basically, I think things are gonna get really bad in terms of the the regime. I don't know what if it's going to be the entire government, the entire federal government will be controlled by Democrats. So I don't know what kind of crazy legislation they're going to pass. Biden has been talking about mask mandates. Germany, this is an aside, but Germany has threatened to open concentration camps for people who do not obey the lockdowns. And this is not getting any kind of like Wait a second. <laughs> Wait a second here. Haven't we heard this story before? Yeah. And um, I don't know. I just I think things are going to get really, really bad. Um, I'm talking, you know, severe, severe lockdowns here for a period of time. Federal mask mandates, more spending, lots more spending, huge spending, universal basic income kind of things. Gun control regular. If there's a false flag, there will be a gun grab. If there's a false flag tomorrow or some kind of a, a situation where two A types try and kick off a boog or there's a false flag about it, um, the white pill is that we this all is what we make it. This is all going to vary. Our, our timeline has been so accelerated now that people are really reaching out for practical solutions. I've been in the Wisconsin Freedom Cell Group for three or four days. And in these three or four days, 15 people have joined the group on telegram and it's going to force us to create these alternatives in our real lives and be agorists. And we are, there's these exciting alternatives that are, are, are viable right now on the internet. And it's like the wild West man. And um, I'm going to continue with the show. You're going to continue with the show. More people are going to join the conversation. And I think that's something to be excited about. I like I like that. I'll probably start stealing the black and white pill because I feel like I've been yeah. I feel like a lot I've been going on about that, and it's kind of like I, I think I mean we even talked about the last one how I kind of think it's going to be a mixed bag, and I think that going forward we're going to have like more 
more it's going to have this appearance of the the empire is cracking down but it's going to be more of they're cracking down in more centralized locations and so it's going to be like you know more urban areas are going to be like far more statist and the the rurals are not so it is like and then on top of that i kind of went into before how like starting out as black pilled and white pilled you know and some but yeah that is a really good way i think i know boiling it down to black and white is kind of like you know i mean i guess that makes sense black and white it's, like the liber- it's, it's the libertarian thing to do. Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't necessarily work because it is like I'm I'm black in some spots, white in others. But yeah, no, I, I do think yeah, that's interesting. I might steal that. But uh, yeah, no, uh, yeah, going forward, I'm definitely it's gonna be fucking interesting. I mean, I, I guess I'm a little more skeptical of that it's gonna be as bad as everyone thinks. I do think they're gonna try to crack down. I don't know. I mean, I'm hesitant to make any resolute like this is gonna happen. This isn't. I don't know if they're, especially when it comes to gun control, if they're going to make too much. I wouldn't be surprised if they make a little bit of sweet, little, little, little bit of movement towards that way, because I do think this past year has shown that we don't have as much teeth as we make it out to be, especially the two A community or whatever the fuck, you know. So, because I mean, it's like this: we kind of gave all this ground on COVID, and so now it's like, you know, oh, well, we're going to make this like. I don't think they're going to do like you know door to door. I still don't think we're there. But, you know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, fucking Trump did bump stocks and shit, which, I mean, isn't that big of a deal. But I could totally see him doing more stuff like that and just being like, okay. And, like, it's more of this just acceptance thing. But with that, I do think it's kind of the same idea as the more they crack down, the more they uh, fucking push back. I saw this quote on Float today. And I don't remember. I think it was they were talking about taxes. But I think it just applies to government action in general. And it's like the harder the government cracks down, the more it pushes down the blade against its wrist. And I, I, did, I thought that was really, really fucking cool. And I, I kind of like, you know, like kind of goes into how we were talking about how like, you know, now we have alternate shit going on. Because, I mean, a lot of people don't realize that modern day government right now is straight up fascism. Like just straight up. Like people, I mean, I, before, like probably a year or two ago, I might be like, oh, it's kind of fascism. No, it's straight up. Like right now we have a perfect merger of government and corporate. Whether you see it or not, it's there. I mean, it just is. You know, like you look at all the censorship going on. Like I've seen people on Facebook getting removed. Like I think it was Eric July got removed, and it said straight up on his thing, "Oh, we've re- we've uh, we've prevented you from fucking being able to post in, in preparation for inauguration day or something okay. like that." And it was like, "What the fuck? Like, why do you give a shit about that? Like, yeah. like I mean, you're not—they're not even trying anymore. Like, the, there's—it's just there. Like, this is straight up fascism, and it's like people don't realize fascism isn't just that which I don't like." Like it has an actual definition. It's a merger of fucking corporate and fucking uh, corporate and state. And that's what it is. And it's actually kind of ironic. I'm actually zucked right now as well. And literally the quote I got zucked for was a Mussolini quote that said something along the lines of fascism would be more accurate to call it corporatism as it's a merger between the corporate and state. And that's what they fucking zucked me for. The most ironic thing they could possibly suck me for. (laughs) That's insane. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just. I don't have any like strong predictions of 2021. I'm, I'm very white pilled in a sense, but black pilled in others. Yeah. I, it's going to be very interesting going forward. I have, I don't know. I guess I'd say more white pilled than, 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 than not. Cause I do think this is going to be an interesting time going forward. And I do think there is something to the more that they push down, the more they shoot themselves in the foot. So it's not I, to say it won't be bad parts, but <laughs> to, to that end, I do think that 2021 might be the year where regular people have had enough. Mm-hmm. yeah especially that's kind of what i went to earlier and how they've shown the trumpers that hey you know this shit that you've had issues with and why you got trump in 
well, the political, the, our system that we've set up for you to be able to deal with these issues supposedly doesn't work. So mm-hmm. what now? And I think that's a interesting, interesting thing going forward, how that's going to work. Yeah. Yeah. And then maybe even on the other side, once fucking Biden's out of there, it's like maybe the lefties will realize because what lefty really wanted Biden in? They just didn't want Trump. In. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I, don't, I still don't think it's going to be as much of a red pill moment for them, but a, a little bit, you know, so. Uh, with that, you want to go ahead and drop your plugs, all that good shit? Yeah, I, I got a lot. Uh, well, basically, you can find everything at libertyweekly.net. I, I got a lot of stuff. You can find me on Float, MeWe, Minds, BitChute, Library. Library is my preferred place, actually. LBRY.tv. And I think at libertyweekly.net forward slash LBRY is there, too. So if you like my work, if you want to support it, go to libertyweekly.net forward slash support. You can find crypto addresses there, Patreon, subscribe star, all that good stuff. But I'm glad that we've been able to connect, Jose. And uh, why don't you, I'll drop this in my feed too. So you should plug your content as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, this uh, fucking, this this is the no, this will be on the No Way Jose YouTube channel. Uh, I also have the audio podcast, which is pretty much everywhere audio podcasts are at. This will all be in the video description. So if you want to look in here, you'll see a video description. This pretty much is all the links to every spot my audio pods are at. But it's pretty much everywhere. You can type in the search bar, look for me. Uh, I also uh, make sure to go out and give me a good rating on Apple if you can. Uh, most of my comment, con- eh, most of my content is also on the Liberty Movement YouTube channel. Not all of it though. Pretty much anything that's political-ish is going to be here. It's going to be on my No Way Jose channel. The with the Liberty Movement channel, it's also on BitChute. So go check that out. All this is in the video description, like I said. Like, share, subscribe, comment, all that good shit. And with that, deuces. You stick around, Patrick. I want to talk to you after. So, uh, yeah. See you, everybody. (laughs)